Love Talk Radio. Hello, Nats Town. Welcome to a static-free edition of Nats Nightly, sponsored by the District Sports Page and FederalBaseball.com. This is Patrick Reddington from Federal Baseball. I've got Dave Nichols from the District Sports Page and Doghouse from Federal Baseball on the line. After the Nationals' 10-5 win over the Padres, they improved the 22-17 and on the year. Dave, we'll start with you, and we'll start with Steven Strasburg. 606 ERA, 346 FIP, 398 Babbitt, 327, 381, 464 line against in 35 and two-thirds and pitch this season. Hasn't made it out of the fourth in either of his last two starts. One out, strike three, wild pitch, stolen base, and RBI single. Put him down one nothing early, a 31 pitch first, three Ks, 95-mile-an-hour 0-1 fastball to Upton in the third, 2 nothing at that point. That's a come back and take a 7-2 lead, though. A leadoff double by Kemp, a single by Upton, Strasburg done in the sixth inning. Makes it through five, though, much better than the last few times out there. Still not looking like his old self, but an improved start, at least, from Strasburg. Yeah, I thought the fastball command was a little bit better. Um, I thought he threw a couple of really good curveballs, but I thought that he also threw a couple of pretty lousy curveballs that just kind of rolled up there instead of having breaks. So, Obviously, Strasburg still isn't um, where he um, has been in the past. Uh, the velocity looked good today. He hit 97 a couple of times on the radar gun. Um, so I don't know that that's necessarily the problem. But his big problem so far this season has been fastball location, over-reliance on his fourth pitch, that slider. And he seemed that he didn't throw it as much today going back to the curveball. But, um, you know, he is really devastating pitches the change up. And that's just not something that he's really um, – He's really shown it off this year much at all. Um, so it, it's, it's interesting to see Strasburg still in a work in progress, but um, but again, much better today than he has been, especially in the last couple of starts. Doug has improved outing in your eyes. I, I liked what we saw from the fastball, hitting 96-97 most of the time. Left one up for Upton that got hit out of the park. Left a few curbs up that got hit, hit pretty hard. I know Jeff Sullivan and Chandgraff speculated that it was really a problem with Strasburg pitching out of the stretch. We saw a little bit more of that today, but a better Strasburg, if not the ideal one. Yeah, I think we're seeing a lot of improvement in this outing, and I, I think that uh, Sullivan's speculation in that article is as good as anyone. The, the main point of it being that in a pressure situation like that, you sort of go with what's easiest instead of thinking about the correct mechanics, which he maybe has to still concentrate a little bit on. He falls back on the bad mechanics that he learned subconsciously when he had the ankle injury, and so he was you know, repeating the motions he was making to try and relieve the stress on his ankle instead of, you know, the the better motion that gives him the the better command. But we did see him spotting his fastball well. Uh, He was touching 98 once or twice in the fourth, um, up up around 96, 97 when he wanted it. Uh, I agree with Dave. We saw some curveballs that looked like they weren't going where he wanted them, but there was one strikeout he had, particularly against Matt Kemp, where the the curveball was just devastating. Uh, coming right in and, and catching exactly the bottom edge of the zone there. So clearly he, he can still do it. He's just working on getting to the point where his default mechanics are the correct mechanics and not whatever wrong mechanics he may have learned in spring training when he was uh, a little bit injured. But I, I think we've got some cause for hope today. You know, certainly it's not all there. He threw his, uh, his changeup maybe two or three times and it, it looks like he wasn't going where he wanted it to go. But, I don't know, he's he's on the way. And uh, if, if this is improvement, I'll take it. 
and improved at least. And two starts later, we can kind of put the idea that it might be an injury issue behind us, hopefully, and just have him figure out his mechanics going forward and try to improve on this. Ian Kennedy on the mound for the Padres today, Dave. 5.92 ERA, 6.48 FIP, 2.95, 3.62, 6.11 line against, and 24 and a third inning pitch this season as a fifth best swinging strike percentage, 27.3% going into this. He's a guy with a low 90s heater, kind of guy that usually gives the Nationals trouble for whatever reason. Six Ks through four scoreless and hit lists, first and third, no outs in the fifth. He gives up two hits at that point. And with uh, Steven Strasburg on, on deck for some reason, decides to pitch to Danny Espinosa. I'm still not sure why. Maybe you can give me your take, but gives Danny Espinosa a meaty fastball to hit. SB hits it out, three-run home run to right field. Matt's take a 3-2 lead at that point. Um, yeah, I have no idea why they were pitching to Espinosa there with, with Strasburg up next. Um, it really seemed Dude, like it's a Espinosa. Yeah, yeah, it's a very <laughs> curious decision. Um, Kennedy's a good pitcher, and, and he had a really weird outing today. I mean, just absolutely dominant those first four innings and then just completely fell apart. So um, really kind of weird. Maybe it's all that extra uh, facial hair that he's carrying there that, that, that wore down his <laughs> arm as the appearance went on. Um but yeah, no, that just a really strange decision there to, to pitch Espinosa uh, instead of going after Strasburg. But um, you know, the, the Nats were able to finally get to Kennedy, and when the bats woke up, I mean, they really woke up and they were loud. Yeah, and when the bats woke up after the walks came, the dugout three straight walks from Kennedy in the sixth that ends his outing. Frank Garces comes on versus Harper, lefty versus lefty. Harper crushes a swinging bunt, sends a dribbler towards third for an RBI single. A grown man hit that, as everyone likes to say when you see those. <laughs> Four to two at that point. Sack fly by Zim makes it five two. Double by Tyler Moore and a grounder by third. Seven two. The Nationals, with some help from Kennedy, get the line moving and really pile on there for a four-run inning to take a seven-two lead. No, that was that was nice to see. Uh, Kennedy kind of fell apart quick there with those three walks, and I, I'm thinking to myself. All right, the the Nats have, have put something together here. Let's let's see if they can continue to capitalize, because you know take out one guy who's you know decent but not great, but someone that the Nats should struggle against, and all of a sudden some random random reliever that they should uh, should be lighting up shuts them down. But this doesn't happen. The Nats actually continue to capitalize, and bases loaded, no outs doesn't turn into zero runs which uh, was a, a, a pleasant surprise from, from some past match outings there. Uh, they were patient. They they worked the walks. I mean, Ian Desmond walked that inning. Come on. He came back from, I think, <laughs> one, two to, to draw a walk. Give me a break here. These these Nets are, are, are showing some patience, uh, making some comp- contact, waiting for their pitches, and, and they're going up with a game plan and executing it. And it we had – Good plans and good execution tonight, and I hope we continue to see that moving forward. Ian Desmond even earned a hashtag walk-in man from Dave for that walk in the inning, but he scored three more in the seventh inning, Dave. Ian Desmond singles, UNL Escobar, ho-hum, singles again. Bryce Harper comes up, takes a 92-mile-an-hour fastball out the other way, opposite field blast the left, his 14th home run of the season. At that point, three for three in the game, a walk, three runs, four RBIs, home run, triple, single, eight for 12 in the series to that point. He grounded out in his last at-bat, so eight for 13 overall in the series. After the home run, 341, 279, 735 line on the year. Some MVP chants from the over-excited fans in Petco Park that were there to watch the Nationals, but Really, another impressive outing from Harper today, and even more impressive that opposite field home run. 
allow me to now read you the list of categories that Bryce Harper leads in the National League this year. Wins above replacement, war for position players, offensive war, slugging, on-base plus slugging, games played, plate appearances, runs scored, uh, bases on balls, home runs, RBIs, uh, and runs created, adjusted OPS plus, uh, adjusted batting wins, adjusted batting runs, times on base, offensive win percentage, um, intentional bases on balls. I mean, the list just goes on and on, at-bats per home run. It just... And, and let me remind everybody that's listening, he still hasn't faced a pitcher younger than him. <laughs> I was just waiting for that fantastic list to end. Doug has 10 <laughs> runs today on eight, on, on eight hits, three of four in San Diego, 15 of the last 19 overall, 22 wins on the year now. They head back home for a two-game set with the Yankees. The Nats are absolutely rolling at this point after us. Uh, yeah. Mediocre May, uh, April to put it that would put it nicely. They really have turned it on in the last couple of weeks. And Fifteen of the last nineteen. That's a nice stretch by the Nationals. Oh, it, it, it's fantastic, especially when you consider they're they're still without Anthony Rendon. Jason Worth is is injured and has not been contributing a lot when he's been healthy. They haven't been getting as much production as they'd like. Out of, certainly out of out of Zimmerman and out of Ramos, and still. Uh, Bryce Harper has, has stepped up to be the, the enormous colossus we all know he could be, but they're getting production out of unlikely places. They're getting it out of, out of Taylor. They're getting it out of Jose Lobaton. And most mirageically at all, if I can make up that word, uh, out of Danny <laughs> Espinosa. We, we started talking about him last night when we ran into the horrendous diff- technical difficulties, and I, I think it's worth returning to. I don't believe it, but you look at uh, his – uh, strikeouts minus his walks, which is sort of a way of measuring uh, patience and strike zone knowledge. It's under 10% right now. Over his career, it's been 20%, meaning he's walking 10% of the time. A little strikes out 30% of the time. And what's going on with Espinosa here? Has he really figured it out? Has he really changed his approach so dramatically? You know, his, his isolated slugging is, is as, as high as it's ever been. His, his total offense uh, higher than it's ever been. I mean, this, this might be a heck of a utility player and a tough decision for the Nats to have to make when Rendon is healthy. But as, as I said last night before we, you know, collapsed in a pile of exploding Internet, uh, this is a good problem to have. Here's here's a thought. Maybe he's actually finally healthy again. I mean, he went through so many injury problems with the shoulder and the wrist and everything else. Maybe Espinosa is just finally healthy again. One for three on the day, 275 average on the year. It's kind of unexpected from Espinosa, as you both said here, but maybe that shoulder is finally back and healthy enough that he can produce at the plate, especially from the left side, which he hasn't done in the last couple of years. But as long as he keeps doing it, I'm just going to accept it and move forward with the knowledge that Danny Espinosa is sort of back so far this season. Doghouse mentioned uh, Jason Worth, though, Dave. Uh, they said if the swelling didn't well, – they were waiting for the swelling and hoping it would go down. But if not, it might go for an MRI tomorrow to have his wrist checked out. Really didn't like the look of that hit-by-pitch on him or his reaction when he fell down there. It looked like it was a lot worse than uh, – I 
lot worse than some hit-by-pitches we've seen before, but he kind of collapsed there, hasn't been back in the lineup yet. What are you thinking about Jason Worth going forward here, uh, expecting an MRI tomorrow? Well, I said the other night when he when he initially got hurt that if he misses a game, fine. If he misses two, I think there's something something to be concerned about. So I think there's something to be concerned about. I mean, obviously, um, you know, he's had uh, multiple wrist issues in the past. Um, it gets hit right on the same spot. Um, I think it is bad news. I think that they'll probably definitely want to take an MRI on it once they get home. Um, it would not surprise me to see them sit him down for 15 days regardless. Um you know, you just don't want to mess around with wrist injuries, especially a guy that had a history of them. Um, you know, to be completely honest, Worth has been um, not very helpful when he has been in the lineup anyway. So just shutting down, um, you know, taking two weeks off, try to get in healthy. Um, that is to say, even if something isn't wrong with the wrist, if something's wrong with the wrist, it's a completely different story. But um, even if they don't find anything, just shut him down, let him get healthy, and then get him back for, for the rest of the summer. So I guess the other injury issue while they're out there in San Diego, uh, Doug Fister goes on the DL with what they said since then is a flexor muscle strain. Matt Williams was clear that there's nothing wrong with the elbow. They had that checked out as well. Going to start throwing in a few days again, barring any setbacks or hiccups, as Mike Rizzo said in the past. But kind of we're expecting the worst when he went down there with the tightness in his forearm. It usually ends up being an elbow problem, but so far they're saying that's not the case. Well, uh, all, all we have is the word to go on it, and I, I think we have to take it at face value. Certainly, the, a forearm injury is enough to take a pitcher out for a season, as we saw with Craig Salmon today. But, you know, that was a tear. This is a strain, and it seems like something he should be able to recover from and, and work back from. We'll see if he, how quickly he comes back. And in the meantime, uh, we'll see how the Nats decide to put together the rotation in his absence. You know, they have a lot of, off days coming up, they may be able to, to skip some spots and juggle things around. And uh, otherwise, we may be seeing A.J. Cole out there again, maybe having a, a little little better start than he did the first time. You know, he, he did well enough in, in mop-up in his uh, first appearance since coming back up. Let's uh, cross our fingers and see what happens. You know, they, we, we lost a little bit of flexibility when Stammen went on the DL because now Roark has become the new Stammen and stretching him back out to be the, the sixth starter and, and slide back into the, the gap left by Fister. Well, now it's now it's A.J. Cole or, heaven forbid, someone like Taylor Jordan. Dave, two days off this week might allow them to kind of uh, finagle around having the need of this starter and see what's up with Fister. But if they do have to go to one, are you assuming Cole at this point? I know we talked about it the other night, but you prefer leaving Tanner Roark in the bullpen role they started him in the season with and going with the young kid? Yeah, I think so, and I think we saw that today. They used Roark for multiple innings out of the pen, and I think they like him in that uh, in that role. Um, I think that kind of tips us off is that if they need a starter, that Cole's going to be it since he pitched um, for three innings on his start day anyway. So um, it, it's it's interesting uh, uh, that the, the Cole and Fisher have the same pitch day, so that's uh, um, it, it's a it's a good deal for them to have. Um, my 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 thing that I want to go back to Fisher's injury though is that he flexor injury. Um, he is an elbow injury. I mean, that's the, the flexor tendon that connects the muscles to um, to the bone in there, which uh, um, if there's a problem with that, will lead to um, ACL problems in the elbow. So um, by saying yeah. that, that it's just – by the net saying it's just a flexor injury and it's not an elbow injury um, is bunk. Um, they can say that, and, and uneducated fans might hear that and think, oh, it's not an elbow injury. But it is an elbow injury. I mean, that's, 
it's all tied together. And by saying that, that a flexor injury isn't an elbow issue, issue um, it's it, it, that's simply sub, subterfuge there. So um, this is a case where um, they want to make sure that, that absolutely nothing is wrong with that elbow before they let Fister throw again. Um, if there is a flexor injury, um, you know, it weakens that, that ligament, which can lead to further problems. So, um, you know, there's a whole can of worms here, and, and, and like we've said several times, um, until a guy is back playing, uh, we can't we can't really take the Nats' word at face value for any of this. We do know the Nats won today, at least. That we know for sure. 10-5 to 5 final, 22-17 <laughs> and 17 on the year. Nathan Eovaldi versus Gio Gonzalez Tuesday night with the DH-less Yankees in the nation's capital. Talk to you guys then, 304 in San Diego. Nats Nightly, sponsored by the District Sports page and federalbaseball.com. Signing off for the night. Go Nats.